Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me today on the Full Circle podcast, Finding Your Way Home. I'm your host, Gillian McMichael. Now, in this episode, we'll be exploring a very important topic on how to manage yourself through the menopause. Now, my guest today is Angela Wilkins-Green. Angela is a fully accredited ICF ACTP personal transformational coach who specializes in supporting women that are seeking to dismantle their fears, overwhelm and anxieties that are holding them back, opening the door to a more satisfying personal and professional relationship with self and others. While Angela works with women of all ages, both privately and in the corporate setting, and on all kinds of issues, she is an expert in helping clients positively move through all the psychological, physical and emotional aspects of menopause and is a licensed menopause champion as part of the menopause experts group community. The phrase menopause spurs the notion that women are past their peak, that from here on in, it's all about getting old. But that couldn't be further away from the truth. With guidance and support, it's actually Angela that will support her clients embrace the menopause so they can feel liberated as they enter a new chapter in their life. In fact, she helps them thrive. At the age of 42, with the unexpected onset of perimenopause, Angela felt her world was falling apart. Coaching kick-started a transformative new chapter for her, which has since led her to finding her purpose and supporting as many women as possible in similar situations so they too can fulfill their potential. Welcome, Angela. So it's so good to see you, Angela. Thank you so much for agreeing to be on um, the show and have our conversation today. How are you feeling? I'm really good, thank you. Really excited to be here. Um, just have a good conversation today. Yeah. Absolutely, and that's exactly what we're going to do. So. Today, we are talking a little bit more around you and your previous experiences, the good, the bad, the maybe not so, <laughs> maybe the ugly, maybe the ugly. Um, and we're also going to hopefully share from your experiences and learn from those experiences as well around how you've overcome maybe some obstacles and challenges. Alongside that, now you're becoming um, a coach that is going to specialize with helping other females with their menopause. That's absolutely right. Yeah. All right. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation, having coming out the other end. Um, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to finding out more about what you're doing now. So why don't you tell us a little bit more then around, yeah, what's led you to where you are today? Yeah. Okay. It's a big question. So that is a big question <laughs> to start with. So um, life coaching, I suppose, has been pretty big in my life for the last 10, 12 mm -hmm. years. Um, I had my first coaching experience back in 2012 and I absolutely loved it. Mm -hmm. It was really, really life-changing for me. Um, it was a, a two-day away course with about eight other women. Mm -hmm. So a theme starting already. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was actually really petrified um, I had never heard of coaching before. I didn't know what to expect. And um, I loved every second of it. And the reason I loved it was because it wasn't all focused around work. Even though work had organized it and paid for it for me, I thought it was going to be all about, you know, how do I become this great big, you know, corporate beast? Mm -hmm. No, no, none of that. <laughs> and it was all about me and my personal life and what was important to me. And it's the first opportunity that I had had to really 
really think about that mm-hmm. deeply for myself. Came away with my vision board, um, which I still have to this day and Amazing. refer back to. <laughs> it's a really nice memory. And lots of it came true. Um, and that really is what sort of started my love for it. But my career was in fashion retail, mm-hmm. um, in merchandising, which is pretty tough department to be in. Uh, I've done that for 25 years. And to be honest, absolutely loved every second of it. You know, it was it was really hard, but I loved it. But as I got further and further on in my career, realized actually the bit that I really enjoy about my job is the people mm. <laughs> and leading a team and having people on my side. And, and it just sort of went on and on and on. So got made redundant a couple of times. Uh, so 2015 was sort of the turning point mm. for me. I got given some more coaching at that point, which was great, more career led. Um, so very different coaching experience. Um, and really that took me all the way up to 2020 and COVID hit, everybody's worlds fell apart. Um, mine did <laughs> quite dramatically over the next couple of years. Um, so again, I got made redundant right in the middle of COVID like millions of others. Um, and I had lots of other stuff going on at the time, personal stuff. I, I had an operation, I had my wedding cancelled three times because of COVID, lots lots of quite traumatic things for me mm-hmm. that at the time I was just working on getting through, you know, just facing the day like you do, getting on with it um, until I got married, everything was perfect, got back from honeymoon, was starting a new job and then I crashed. <laughs> right, okay. Yeah, yeah, and that is where I turned to coaching mm-hmm. and HRT. Right. And that is where my new journey begins. Wow. Okay. (laughs) So one, being made redundant a couple of times, but especially in the middle of COVID, seems to be quite tough. Yeah, it it really was. um, It really was. I mean, the first time that was that was bad. I'd been in um, in a job for 15 years in the same company, Mm. which I adored. And probably if that company was still going, I'd probably still be there today. It was a family and I loved it. So that was a very traumatic time. Um, to work out what was going to come next. You know, I was petrified about what I was going to be going to be able to do and where other companies going to accept me and and know what I was capable of. Um, Imposter syndrome syndrome talking a little bit there, you know, that Mm -hmm. that definitely Mm -hmm. was going on for me at the time. But for the 2020 um, redundancy, actually, you know, I I, I just accepted for what it was. It was probably the right time for me. Mm -hmm. So traumatic in the sense that, yeah, how am I going to go and get another job yeah, when this is going on in the yeah. world? Um, but actually knew really deep down that actually it was the right thing for me. Okay. So tell me then around coaching. So what prompted you then to train to become a coach? Uh, my husband. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have the most wonderful, supportive husband. And um, once so I had about a three month period where I literally crashed and hit the floor Good and did not to know how minute, to pick yeah. up. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. we'll come back mm-hmm. to that. But he he just said to me one day, do you think it's about time you thought about the coaching? And that's literally what yeah. he said between the Christmas and New Year. And one week later, I was signed up to your course. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like that. <laughs> it was literally just like that. I mean, I did, I did reach out to a couple of other coaches yeah. that mm-hmm. had coached me before to ask for some advice which was greatly, great, gratefully received. Um, but I knew as soon as he said it, that mm-hmm. it was absolutely the right thing for me. That's exactly what I needed to do. 
And I knew I needed it personally yeah. as well as for my long-term career. Yeah, that makes perfect. Yeah, it does make sense actually. So tell me about the crash. What happened? Yeah, well, I now know. I didn't at the time, um, but I now know it was perimenopause. And how, um, old, how old was you then? 42. Right. So that's quite early, right? Yeah. yeah. So not as early as you think. Mm -hmm. But for me, I had yeah. absolutely no idea that it could happen that yeah. early mm -hmm. in your 40s. It, it can actually happen in your late 30s. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I had no idea. My, my extent of knowing what menopause was, was that your period stopped, you'd probably get some hot flushes, and you were probably going to be in your 50s. Mm -hmm. um, so at 42, when actually my, my lovely mum had been saying to me a few times, I think it might be perimenopause. But I think I was just in complete denial. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, don't don't be ridiculous. It can't be. I'm too young. I've mm -hmm. got an older sister. She's not there. So why would it be happening to me? Mm -hmm. um, surely it's going to come to her first. Um, but that's not the way the world works. <laughs> so, um, yeah, she, she said it to me a few times. And through that three-month period, all of a sudden, the night sweats for me. Right. So that was the thing that I recognized yeah. as a symptom that made me go, oh, well, maybe my mum is mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and got me to sort of stand up and, and listen. Right. But by this time, you know, I had left my new job, um, just literally could not cope every day with, with logging on and doing that, um, which to this day is disappointing, but here we are. Mm -hmm. um, and I got onto the doctors in the early January. So I literally, I sort of, by the end of December, I knew what was happening my husband had given me the, come on, you can do this. Mm -hmm. And beginning of January, off I went. Got my HRT, got myself on the course mm -hmm. and picked myself up slowly but surely. <laughs> but I would imagine, I mean, I have to be honest, I mean, obviously I've experienced some of those things that you've talked about, but for you personally going through that, at the beginning, was there confusion around what was going on? Hugely. Tell, Huge. tell me more about that. Yeah, um... I like to think of myself, always have, as this fairly strong woman. And I always sort of go like this mm -hmm. <laughs> because sometimes I'm really strong and I'm really headstrong and I know what I want. And other times I go, but, but you're Angela, you can't possibly do that. And so what I now know is that what was happening to me was everything all the doubts that i had throughout my 20s and 30s perimenopause were just exacerbating yeah mm -hmm. and so although i had no idea what was going on for me i was recognizing some of the signs in me and i mean at one point i honestly thought am i getting dementia because my mm -hmm. my brain fog my memory function just disappeared yeah you know um, and I didn't know from one day to the next what I was going to wake up feeling like, whether I was going to be okay or whether I was going to have one of those really bad days. So it was so confusing from one day yeah. to the next. And it's, you know, for me, the big thing was what was going on in my mind. But for a lot of women and, and to an extent for me, there are huge amounts of physical symptoms that you're going through as well that people don't talk about. No. And so you don't feel like they're conversations you can easily have even with your best friends. Mm -hmm. Luckily, I have my mum and my two sisters, but even, even then, they're conversations that you don't really want to be, be picking up on, whereas yeah. we should. 
So what type of things were you not talking about then? Some of the symptoms that I was suffering from were really the hot sweats were the, were the yeah. worst thing. Um, and there's a there's a, an embarrassment about that because actually you're waking up in the morning, you know, even even trying to, oh God, Miles, don't look at don't look at the bed, don't look at my. I am literally dripping. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's really embarrassing. You know, for me, there was painful sex. Mm -hmm. There was there was all sorts of things that were going on that yeah. I'm just trying to ignore. Yeah, because it's got to be something else. Yeah, um, and. It is, it is the things that women don't want to talk about. And then when it comes to the emotional stuff, actually, when you're trying to hold down a really big corporate job, mm. you can't show that weakness or you don't think, think you, you can, can show mm -hmm. that weakness. Mm -hmm. you know. And in the moment when you're worrying and you're anxious about everything, all of that just gets worse yep. because you feel like, I, I can't possibly tell anybody how I'm feeling, how yeah. I'm coming to work shaking, you know. It's, it's I totally understand that yeah and I think you're right I think th th there's a lot that's not said yeah and I suppose in many ways up until recently is it fair to say it's been more, a bit more of a taboo subject I would completely agree. where we, women haven't talked about it and yeah. expressed themselves clearly around what they're really experiencing absolutely I mean I think you know I mean even even if I think about my mom and I have a young mom, mm -hmm. you know, there was there was no conversation about it. And I think I now know with her that she did have conversations with her friends about it, mm -hmm. a couple of her close friends. And and actually, you know, getting help was pretty much discouraged. You know, yeah. HRT back then was a was a no no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and my mom was absolutely told by her doctor, I'm not putting you on HRT. You yeah. can't have it. Mm -hmm. So, whereas we are, I feel extremely lucky, you know, mine happened around the time of Davina, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. so I feel like it's now no longer yes. a taboo subject. Yeah. We can have these open conversations Absolutely. about it yeah. and everybody now at least knows the words, even if they don't know anything about what that means. But now is the time to start educating people and that's what I'm really hoping to do. Yeah, it sounds amazing. So it's interesting, isn't it? So when you then went on HRT, so tell me how the difference, how was that for you? Because I know HRT is one of those topics where some women are absolutely anti, I'm yeah. not going to be taking it, I don't want it. Um, some people don't even need it. Yeah. But others have gone to that as an option. And for me, there's no judgment. There's, it's whatever feels right for everybody's personal experience and body and hormones. So, yeah. so for you, you chose to take HRT. So what was the difference and what did it feel like once, you, once it got into your system? Firstly, I just want to say I completely agree with you. It's totally individual to yeah. every woman to decide what she wants. And I'm really keen to reach the 20 and 30 year olds out there so that they can go into this prepared, yeah. whereas we have not gone into this prepared. HRT for me really was all I knew to go to yeah. because there was nothing really out there to tell me what else to do. What other options have I got? Mm -hmm. um, and I have to admit, I was really lucky with my, G I say I was really lucky. I, I'm one of the lucky ones with my GP. At the age of 42, I phoned my GP because- Yeah, what else do you do? Yeah, yeah. couldn't get an appointment. You can't get yeah. to see mm -hmm. a doctor these mm -hmm. days, can you? Um, and she didn't really question it. She just said, absolutely, everything you're telling me about your symptoms talks to that. We can put you on HRT. 
or we can give you antidepressants. Yes. So they were my two options. I've always been very clear, not yeah. going there with uh -huh. antidepressants. Uh -huh. So HRT was what it was. And for me, actually, within a month, I started to feel better. Amazing. Which is Because I know it lucky. takes some people quite a long time, doesn't it, to get it, it right? It, and and to, some people yeah. never do. Yeah. So, and But I have to say, six months later, I could start to feel that it wasn't wasn't working again. Right. And so I have actually been back twice now to change my yep. medication mm -hmm. levels. Mm -hmm. So even though I started to feel better straight away at the time, which was fantastic for me, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be the case throughout and you're sorted. Yep. It absolutely doesn't. It, it's just moving all of the time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and you have to be aware of the signs that your body and your mind are giving you to understand if you need so to change So tell it. me then, how did you notice? So six months in, been feeling okay yeah just just so that our listeners can understand just if they're experiencing something or because you know we're not well educated no. at all and in fact when I think about myself I never even went to the doctor yeah I was like I'll just carry on regardless because that's what I always do yeah. um so 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 tell us about that shift what did you know what did you start to notice about yourself for me it was all about the anxiety mm. now for the me, unspoken anxiety the, the yeah. unspoken anxiety absolutely and of course that was the thing that got me the first time before I was on it, that's yeah. that was the real trigger for me. And it was the thing I could feel creeping back in again, that the days were becoming more difficult to deal with. And I could feel my heart beating a bit mm -hmm. quicker mm -hmm. and everything that was happening, I was getting a bit more nervous about. And no, this definitely doesn't feel right because yeah. I can feel myself heading back to where I was. And so you know, I'm pretty good now at listening to my body. And so I think the important thing to say is, is our bodies are trying to help us. Yeah. <laughs> you absolutely. know, lots of people think our bodies are punishing us when it, you know, it's making us feel, this, but it's trying to help us because it's trying to help us yeah. recognize that something isn't right yep. and we need to change something or do something about it. Mm. And so I did go straight back to the doctor at this point. But I have to say, it's not always easy to do. Yeah. And I am at the moment in a stage where I need to go back and, and reevaluate, and I keep putting it off. But I know I'm gonna have to go and have that so conversation. What you, what's, what's making you put it off at the moment then, if you know? Well, I think possibly my anxiety levels are up again. Right. And so of course, because my anxiety levels are up again, I'm, I'm nervous to go and have that conversation yeah. with the doctor. Mm -hmm. So I'm nervous about what they're gonna say. What I really want is to go to the doctor and say, I want you to check all of my levels. I want you to check my hormone levels. I want you to check mm -hmm. my thyroid. I want you to check my vitamin D. Yeah. But I'm just nervous they're going to not do those checks. So from the very start of my journey, I have not had a single blood test to tell me what my levels are. So it's all guesswork. Right. And that's the same for millions of women, especially in the UK. Mm -hmm. Generally in the US, yeah. it's different. It's but, different yeah. mm -hmm. but in the UK, our GPs, even if you are lucky enough to have a GP that will give you the HRT, to then have all the tests you need to really make sure mm -hmm. you're in the right level of HRT, that's a whole different story. That's really hard to hear, actually. Yeah. Yeah. There is a huge amount of work to be done. Yeah. You know, and when we go to our GP, a lot of women now that are doing all of this re research for themselves might know more than their GP does. Yeah, that in many ways doesn't necessarily surprise me, no. but it's still hard to hear, isn't it? And Very. actually quite scary Yeah, that the people that we would rely on perhaps maybe don't have the knowledge or are not able to do the work or the tests that we need to have done. Yeah. So I can see that you're passionate about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell me what then has led you 
to focus in on this? Because obviously you're a coach, you're a professional globally accredited coach. You work with all kinds of different clients, corporate and private. Yeah. But I but I know that you're now taking a road to be a menopause champion. Yes. So t- tell us a little bit more around that journey and, and what does that mean and look like for you? Yeah. So I, after my experience, mm-hmm. I had to do something with that. Um, and I'm so passionate about the coaching because I know what it can do for people that for me to be able to merge the two just absolutely seems like the right thing to do because I'm passionate about them both yep. because I don't ever want another woman to go through what I did and feel that bad in the moment. You know, for three months I woke up and I cried every day. Yeah. No one should be having to do that. And there is lots of help out there yeah. if you go and search it out. We are having to search it out at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> so, and most recently I um, I found on uh, online a group called the Menopause Experts Group. Tell me and more. And they, they're a fantastic group of women who are growing at the rate of knots. Mm. Um, and they are doing everything in their power to bring menopause to the forefront. There are lots of different groups out there but they are fantastic in their training. Mm-hmm. And so you can sign up as a champion, which is what I have done. So I am now a menopause licensed champion with, um, with the Meg Group. And they give you all of the training that you need on menopause and all of the stages of menopause um, in order to go and get out there and start to educate yeah. people. And so you can do that in many different ways. But one of the ways that I like to do it is to go into businesses and talk to the people that can make a difference within the business. Talk to the people that can put policies in place, that can look after their staff and make sure that the help they need is there. Yeah, because I do think I would agree with you. I think that's very much missing in many, many organisations. I think we can organizations can say that they're dealing with it but I think if you're a woman going through it I would question sometimes how how accurate they are in terms of genuinely supporting yeah um and 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 whether or not whether it's a meaningful you know kind of activity or support whatever it might be um because again I think it's a bit like when we talk about wellness you know sometimes it's just a bit of a tick box tick tick box exercise absolutely just to say that they're doing it but actually not really doing it And, and having worked with many senior leaders and managers within organizations women who are going through it just like you have and will continue to do yeah, there isn't a lot available from my experience. No, completely, completely agree. And I think it's literally only just starting yeah. now that mm-hmm. companies that are beginning to listen, yeah. that are starting to realise what they need to do to yeah. help these women. And it's different for every woman. So, you know, I'm not pretending it's easy for these companies to know no. what the solution is, because what might be a solution for, for you yeah. might be completely wrong for me. Yeah. So it's not easy, but it's about these businesses tailoring and working with each yeah. individual and asking them, mm. asking them, because these women might be too scared to come forward. Well, I would imagine they will be because, you know, when you are sweating profusely at work, you know, you, I mean, I, I, I've had it myself where the sweat is literally rolling down yeah. <laughs> down the inside of your leg, yeah. you know, and you're like, I, I'm in a meeting here. This is not comfortable at all. Yeah. And you've got it. And, you know, the sweat comes on your top lip. It's really uncomfortable. And it's, it. I mean, I've, I've not found it embarrassing as such, but it is uncomfortable. Yeah. 
And I think it is difficult, I think, especially when you're in a big meeting with a lot of other people around. Yeah. You want to be as discreet as you possibly can. And sometimes that's really difficult to do. Yeah. And for, there's many things that be, can be going on for women yeah. in that moment. It's, it's the, you know, uh, is my period going to start? Yes, exactly. You know, yeah. in, in the room. Mm -hmm. and, and because they're so irregular, I have no idea what, what's going to happen there. Yeah. Am I sweating? Am I going to forget what I'm going to say in this major presentation yeah. that I'm giving? Yeah. You know, it, it, there's so much that we have to consider the stress that we're under in those moments that, that really people just are completely unaware of. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you've learned a lot about yourself. Mm. I'm assuming, but I'm taking it that is <laughs> yes. a big yes. Um, so I'm, I'm curious again for our listeners and those that watch the show, tell me more around what have been your biggest learnings so far on your journey. My biggest learning is to listen to myself. Right. Listen to my body and listen to my mind because my body is telling me what I need to know. And most of us do everything in our power to ignore it. <laughs> because it's usually not what we want to hear yeah. but actually it's the key to being able to move on to listening to the things that make us happy that bring us joy that make us feel healthy and also understanding the things that we do yeah. that do the opposite because quite often a lot of what we do and we think we enjoy doing mm. actually in the long run are doing us no good whatsoever yeah you know, and, and the obvious things are the not drinking alcohol yes, and the getting yeah. a good night's sleep and yeah. the things that everybody hears all the time. I'm not here to preach to anybody. You know, I drink alcohol. I love a bit of chocolate and, you know, I stay out too late on the weekends. We all do those things and that's normal. We're here to enjoy life. We've got to enjoy it. But just listening and understanding how you feel in those yeah. moments was it worth it? Do I need to tone it down a bit? Do I need to change this? They're the really important things that we yeah. need to do. And it's really interesting because alcohol is one of those things, isn't that people either do or they don't do. Um, and I think, again, it's a personal choice. Everybody's, everybody's personal choice. But I think, you know, that sense of eating healthily, moderating alcohol, or at least having a break from it for a period of time doesn't yeah. do anybody any harm, I suppose. Yeah. Um, and then you've got exercise and everything else and sleeping well, but it's difficult to sleep well when you're up two or three times a night, you're in and out of the covers, leg in, leg out, Absolutely. leg in, leg out. You know, um, it is very difficult to have a good night's sleep. And we all know that sleep is critical to how we show up the next day for work, how we function as a human being. Yeah. And without those regular hours of sleep, that we need what eight hours whatever every yeah. night yeah um it is going to make it difficult for us to function yeah so what i'm hearing from you and tell me if this is right is i'm hearing that actually we should be embracing this completely not feeling embarrassed but actually going to talk to whomever we need to talk to to get the right support that we need yeah yeah so what would you say if somebody is feeling embarrassed about what they're going through or parking it and not listening to their body at this stage. I think the important thing to remember is it's not just you. Yeah. You know, 50% of the world's population are either going through, have gone through, or are going to go through yeah. what you are feeling mm -hmm. just on different levels. And so it's estimated about 13 million women in the UK at the moment are in 
one stage of the menopause. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of women out there that we can go to for support. So if you don't want to talk to a member of your family or a close friend or someone that knows you, there will be someone out there that can help you. I'm one of them. There are lots of groups out there. If you're on social media, there are groups you can join where you can talk to like-minded women that you never have to meet, but you can tell them and share what's going on with you and they will share too and you feel in that safe space. Yeah. There's, there's lots of places you can go for, for support and there's lots and lots of women like me out there that want to give you that support. Yeah. So try not to be afraid because you really are not on your own. Because I think the other thing that struck me from this conversation is that there are certain underlying factors like the usual stuff that you see on the outside, but it's the stuff that's going on on the inside, like the anxiety that sits with you and most probably does build over time and and I think you know as we know anxiety is one of the biggest critical issues that we have from a psychological perspective across the board never mind with menopause yeah but the fact that that is only now being dis I know everything is only now being discussed mm -hmm. but I think yeah. it's only being recognized as a symptom yeah because we've had the, yeah we know that there's the flushes we know that you're not be able to sleep we know that you know blah 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 yeah but the anxiety I think is it's kind of like a I don't know, a, a, a silent assassin in a way. I had no idea when it came to me that that was in any way linked. I literally thought I was losing my mind. Yeah. But there's actually more than, well more than 30 different um, symptoms, symptoms yeah. of, of menopause, you know, and we all ha will have some or other of yeah. them <laughs> mixed up in different ways. And, and anxiety is really one of the hidden ones because we try to suppress it. We try to ignore it. And like what happened with me is I associated it with how I might have felt previously mm -hmm. in my life. And so yeah. didn't think it was anything to do with menopause because I just assumed, oh, I I'm just going through one of these these yeah. stages where yeah. I'm, I'm doubting myself. But it's interesting, though, that the GP was offering you antidepressants. Absolutely. Right. In fact, yeah. actually, it was it was the first option yeah. on the table, yeah. mm -hmm. and and it is for many women. But antidepressants will do absolutely nothing for your menopause. Right. So if mm -hmm. you believe that it is the menopause that you are going through, yeah. you should really, if you want to go down the medication route, if that's something that you want to consider, then it should be HRT yeah. over that. So it's really understanding. So I think we've got to be yourself. careful then not to jump to conclusions or assumptions too quickly. Yeah. And for those that might be seeking help from GPs to make sure that actually that's not necessarily the first port of call, there could be other things that are going on that are affecting Absolutely. the anxiety. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So you ha really have to be sure what you think it is. And if you are unsure and if there are other things going on for you in your, in your world, then, you know, if you're under 45, the doctor should be offering you a blood test to check yeah. your, your hormone levels. Once you're above 45, there is no point in, in having the blood test because by then your hormones are likely to be yeah. so fluctuating that what, what the result one day will be completely different the next day. So, But if you're under 45 and you're unsure, then definitely should be asking for the blood test. So I flew down here yesterday and on the aeroplane, um, there was a couple, a guy and a, his wife, and she had a, a moment where she lost her breath she couldn't breathe she was having some sort of kind of panic attack or anxiety attack and um thankfully there was a doctor on the plane as we're mid-air 
And, um, you know, it so turned out that she's going through the menopause. And her husband said, well, she's got some thyroid tr troubles, but she's also going through the menopause. And she was sweating profusely. And anyway, she lay down on the seat. They give her some oxygen. And actually, by the time we landed in London, she was fine. But that in itself, she was mortified, yeah. actually, and was apologizing to everybody, which she didn't need to do. Yeah. Um, and she was obviously very emotional when the plane landed because, you know, she was most probably thinking, well, what would people think? But what I found what was really interesting was how her husband managed that. And obviously they must or appeared, this is an assumption in my behalf, but appeared to be having an awareness about it between the two of them because he knew what was happening. Yeah. And therefore he didn't panic. You know, she didn't panic maybe as much as she needed to. Yeah. So although she felt most probably embarrassed and, and you know, kind of kind of conscious of what people were thinking, um, they managed it really well between the two of them. Mm -hmm. So for me, that struck me as that's important to talk about it and just what you've been saying. So um, I don't know why I share that, but I just thought it was really important and relevant because yeah. I think listening to you with your husband being supportive and things like that, would you also acknowledge and maybe encourage other women to speak to their other halves, Absolutely. their partners, to make sure they're aware? Because not only are you going through it, it must be difficult also for the other person yeah. as well who's in your life. Absolutely. I mean, if I think back to what I put my husband through, my new husband, I mean, I've been with him for 26 years, but yeah. he was a new husband and all of a sudden, <laughs> like, well, we got married and what happened? <laughs> you know, she's yeah. gone completely mad and he had no idea, obviously. Of course. And, and he hasn't found it easy. Yeah. You know, he doesn't find it easy to talk about it. He hates the word. And I can see him still mm -hmm. to this day cringe a little bit. Yeah. But, you know, he's getting used to it because I'm now talking about it all yeah. day, every day. Yeah. And so he, he, is, he is getting there. And I think that's the important thing is that some men will just naturally find it easy to support their partners yeah. and some men will not. But what I would encourage women to do is don't assume that they either will or oh, will won't. not. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You need to you need to open up and tell him what's going on. Yeah. Um, and also, as part of that that champion work that I'm doing, when we go into businesses, what we're really keen to do is to have the men in the room. Yeah. You know, we really need them to be listening and understanding and recognizing because they might recognize it in their wife or partner before she before she does. Yeah. And it's helping him have the conversation to say to her, do you think this is what could be going on? Yeah. Because actually, you know, for some men will be petrified of having that conversation Absolutely. because how will she react? Of course. You know, no woman wants to be told, are you going through the menopause? Yeah. <laughs> even though it's even though it's going to happen. But it's interesting because the menopause has that, um, I don't know, to do with age. Maybe you're getting past it. You're getting older. You just kind of be shriveled up and thrown out to the side. You're not attractive anymore yeah. and all of those things. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really interesting because I feel it's actually quite the opposite. Me too. <laughs> because, I don't know, as you reach a certain age, you become wiser. You yeah. become more confident in your own body. I appreciate when you're going through it, it's not that easy. Yeah. But certainly as somebody who's coming out the other end, I would say that I feel more confident now with who I am than I've ever been. And... I'm wondering what's your take on that through the work that you've been doing with women too? 
completely, completely agree with you, especially for, for myself. You know, I'm obviously still in it. You know, yeah. I'm still fairly early days in perimenopause, but already I feel really empowered to take yeah. charge of my own life. You know, so actually I've got out of a career that wasn't bringing me joy anymore. I'm doing something that I love every day and I've taken charge of yeah. what I wanted to do. And women will do that in all sorts of different ways. It doesn't mean going out and starting your own business and, course, and changing yeah. your career. It's just about you being in control of what yeah. you want to happen in your life. And and actually, it just gives us that opportunity to take stock and work out what brings us joy yeah. and, and follow the path. And I love that word, that word, just kind of sense of just really empowering yourself, because I do think it's very liberating to yeah. take charge of how you're feeling, what you need. Yeah whether it's HRT or not, um, or whatever else it is in your life, Yeah, in essence. We've got so many amazing things that we can talk about around this. So, but as we're drawing our conversation to a close, which we have to do, I'm afraid, yeah. um, I'm curious around what advice. So you've talked about, you know, talking to people, not holding this or carrying this burden on your own. Is there any other top tips that you can share that you know will help someone else who's going through this or about to go through it. Yeah, I, I, it's actually an interesting one because what I'm really keen to do is talk to the 20 and 30 year olds. Yeah. To prepare them. To prepare mm -hmm. them mm -hmm. because actually they've had, nobody taught them any of this at school. Nope. So they're not listening. They hear us, we talk about menopause, they'll probably turn off. But, but please don't because you need to hear it. Mm -hmm. And actually you can be preparing now. So what you need to do is really understand your own body, yeah. what feels good, what is normal for you, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. really understand how you feel mentally, but how you feel physically, the things that make you feel good and the things that don't. So that as you start to get to your late 30s or to your early 40s, you're in the best possible mental and physical shape yeah. for those changes to start to happen. Because if we're in the best shape possible, you might just not need the HRT. You yeah. might be able to manage without it. Yeah. So I'm really keen that women start to educate themselves and find out. And, and for the women that are already going through it, it really, for me, it really is about listening to your body and making the changes that you know you need to make, not cutting everything out completely, yeah. but just it's the small changes that make the big difference. So cutting down on alcohol or, yeah. you know, if you're a big, big chocolate fan, try and move away from the milk chocolate, go to the dark, dark chocolate. chocolate. <laughs> it's all the things we all yeah. know, mm -hmm. but actually working on the mind as well, yeah. because everybody always talks about your diet, your nutrition, your exercise routine, but lots of women, I'm definitely an example of this, all of that just goes out the window if my mind isn't in the right state. Yeah. yeah. So everything has to be w working together. Yeah for it to all come together. Absolutely, it's that complete and utter mind-body connection, isn't it really? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Okay, fantastic. So where can people find you and where can they get hold if they want to talk to you further? Okay, so my, I've got my own website. So my company is called Green Path Coaching. Uh, website's nice and easy, greenpathcoaching.com. Um, and I'm also on LinkedIn and Instagram. So both of those are under my company name, Green Path Coaching. So Amazing. please do look me up. I'm sure they will. Thank you so much for a really great conversation. It's been lovely to have you here. Thank you so much.